Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. And I'm, I'm glad that your pastor and I were on the same page because when I came in and I saw y'all all over the place, I was a little distressed. I thought, don't these people like each other? Yeah. No, I know you're with, you're with each other all the time, right? I get it. I get it. Um, well, you can, you can take your Bibles, go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to actually talk. I just, I want to lay some, I want to kind of sow some seeds into your thinking before we get into the message directly. Um, I mean, God has, has really laid something pretty specific on my heart for you guys today. And um, I, in fact, let's do this. Before I go any further, let's go ahead and pray. And uh, then I'm going to share a few things with you, and then we'll get directly into the Word. Okay, Father, I want to thank you for this sweet time in your presence, God. Um, Lord, for the time that we had to enter into worship, but also just to, to pray, to pray in your spirit. And Lord, to, um, Lord, to kind of marinate in your presence. God, thank you for that. And Lord, we, we value you. We value your presence, God. We don't. We don't take this time, this morning or any morning, for granted, God. We need you. We need your presence, your power, your grace, your strength, your favor. God, we recognize that uh, our lives depend on that. And uh, so, God, I pray that this morning that you would stir up the gifts of God in us, stir up faith. Um, God, let us truly lay hold of the purpose that you have for each one of us. God, let us recognize who you are and who you are in our lives. And uh, God, help me to bring forth clearly, I pray, what you've laid on my heart. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So I, I want to talk to you for a while today. And in fact, having said that, let me get something with the time on it. Because sometimes when I'm preaching, I lose all track of time. We need to be out by about 1030. Is that accurate? Okay. Okay. There we go. I want to talk to you about... Uh, well, actually about a lot of things. I want to talk about the call of God. God's call on your life. One of the things that um, that one of the things that concerns me with the church at large, especially in America, in the Western culture, um, is that I I don't see like I did on one at one time, I don't see the commitment to fulfill the call of God like I once did. Now, I'm not saying it's not there at all because here you are. 
Um, I've had actually the privilege of speaking into young people over the last couple of weeks. Yes, in fact, yesterday I had the entire senior class from a high school in South Carolina that I spoke to for several hours yesterday morning. I'll actually be in a couple over into February, into March, I'll be in a couple of more uh, ministry training environments where I'll be speaking to the entire student body. So I know that, yes, yes, God is still calling, but it seems like there's a whole lot of distraction. Living for other things. In fact, I was in a, a service just the other day, and, and I'm not, you don't, know, you don't know who I'm talking about, where I'm talking about, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. The, the pastor during worship, brother, incidentally, thank you for what you did. I mean, that set me up perfectly for what I feel like God wants me to share. The, the, the pastor, where I was at, got up during worship, and all of a sudden he just started like really hitting this hard. How many of you want to be a millionaire? How many want to be a millionaire? And then he kind of semi-rebuked everybody because they didn't want to be a millionaire. And finally got, I think, what, six or eight people saying, yeah, I want to be a millionaire. Did you? You was afraid I might slap your head. No. Now, let, let me say this. I'm cool if you're a millionaire. I got no problem with that. I'm just not so sure that should be your goal. Um, in fact, I'll go, I'll go a step further. If you're called, if you're called by God to be in business, especially, and not necessarily just in business, but if you if you are called to be in business and you're diligent about your calling and your giftings and your abilities, I don't doubt that you might. Be a millionaire or a multimillionaire. That's great. Hey, praise the Lord. I'm 100% for it. But I'm not so sure that that should be your goal. That's my concern. Is that one day we're going to stand before God. It's soon. No, 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 no. I know you're really young, so you think it's a long time off. No, it's not. Like very soon, you're going to stand before God. You know, we just finished Christmas, right? It, it came and it went. But you were, you were building up for Christmas for quite a while. Yeah, oh, Christmas is coming, blah, 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 blah. Boom, it comes and it goes. And now we're beginning to build up for next Christmas. And before we know it, it will come and go. And that's how really, that's how all of life does. That we're always putting something, oh, it's, you know, it's out there. No, no, no. It's not that far away that you're going to be done. Whatever you were called to be, to do, is going to be over. And you're going to stand before Him. And when we stand before Him, I think it goes without saying. It goes without saying for me and this guy, I know. I think it goes without saying. When I stand before God, I want to hear Him say, well done. Good and faithful servant. So we're, we're talking about the call of God. We're, we're talking about ambition. You know what the Bible says that our ambition should be? Not to make a million dollars. My ambition should be to be pleasing to God. 
That's my ambition. And so we're, we're, we're talking about calling. We're talking about ambition. We're talking about purpose. I hear a lot of, a lot of talk about your dream, pursuing your dream. Well, wait a minute. Are you supposed to be pursuing your dream or his dream? Because I want to tell you something. They may not be the same. Now, I'll say this. I really believe that if you come to a place, and I'm, I'm semi-believing that you have. I mean, at least I think most of you have. If you come to a place of fully surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and to his lordship and that your ambition is to please the Lord, then I believe your dream becomes swallowed up in his dreams. And so then you, then you can begin to safely say, this is in my heart. But friend, until you're, until you're fully surrendered to him, you can't trust your heart. You can't say, oh, this is what's in me. Well, what's in you is probably selfish and self-centered and has me written all over it. I remember when I came to Outreach Ministries of Alabama, and, uh, man, I was a mess. Um, a selfish little knucklehead. It's true. Living for me, I mean, in, in every manifestation of living for me that you can think of, I, that was me. And uh, God, in his mercy, set that all up because I couldn't have come up with it on my own. I'd have messed it all up. But God set it up that I pretty much had to go to Outreach Ministries of Alabama. You know, God has a way of, he has a way of, like, trapping you into, well funneling you that's probably a better better way to put it. he has a he has a, you know when you get cows up you don't just uh you know go over and say hey if you would go get on that truck because we'd like to take take you to the sale barn no they ain't going and so you have to build a catch pen and you've got to trick them to get into that catch pen and then out of that catch pen you build a chute and you attach the truck to the chute. You better attach the truck to the chute because if you don't, they're going to bust the chute apart and it's going to be a mess. And so then you've come up with some means of motivation to get those cows to go not only into the chute, but into the truck. And so you need a whip, you need a prod, you need a hot stick, you need something that's going to and make them go, whoa, and go do their thing what you're wanting them to do. Well, we, you know, we're pretty much like cows or sheep or whatever. And God does the same thing. He sets us up. But then he wants to bring us to that place where we actually surrender. That we, we actually submit our desires, our goals, our dreams, our purposes. They all get swallowed up in the will of God. Hopefully, you've already come to that place. However, my experience has been that you come to levels of full surrender more than once. I mean, I think 
the first night I was at Outreach Ministries, I laid in my bed, and you've already heard him share this. It's crazy that we figured out later we were actually in the same, same spot, in the same bunkhouse when we gave our life to Jesus. Now, it wasn't the same night, okay? We weren't in the same bunk. Yeah, it was like, it was like quite a while apart. Um, but that first night I laid there in my bunk, and I, I believed that to the, to the best of my ability, I fully surrendered to God. But you know what? It wasn't very long after that that he started knocking on other doors of my heart and saying, can I go in there? Can I have that? And so you come to greater and greater moments of surrender. But ultimately, you come into that place where you want to fulfill God's will for your life rather than your will for your life, or even mom and dad's will for your life. You come to the place where you want to understand and know God's will. You know that all of my life, and you know, I wasn't one of these kids that every week I want to be something different. I, you know, I see my own grandsons and they're like, they want to be a fireman. They want to be a policeman. They want to, they're all over the place. I never was that way. I mean, from the time I was, I don't ever remember a time when I did not want to be a veterinarian. That's what I wanted to be. And so even beginning into my teenage years, my parents were helping me set up a plan to be a veterinarian. Did you know this? It's what I wanted to be. And I didn't ever waver. I wanted to be a veterinarian. But I got on drugs. And I lost all vision for anything in life. And in fact, the whole idea of being a veterinarian just kind of went south. I mean... I basically came to the place where all I wanted to do was get high, period. First thing, first thing every day. And so I lost all vision for my life, and then I got saved. And so when I got saved, I started pursuing God and seeking God. And so after 30 days of being a Christian, we had to share a devotion at Outreach Ministries. So we had to get up, and we had to share the Word of God on some level and it was with the other guys in the program. And so my day came, and I was absolutely petrified. I was like, I don't know how to, what do I do. I don't even know what to do. I've never spoke to anybody. I don't know how to preach the word. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And fortunately, one staff member pulled me aside and said, hey, calm down. Just take a verse of scripture that God has spoken to your heart from, read that scripture to us, and then tell us what God said to you. And I thought, I could do that. And in fact, I'm going to tell you, since then, I've got a bachelor's degree in Bible and pastoral ministry. I've got a master's degree in, in uh, biblical studies, and I've got a master of divinity degree. And so I've had a lot of education since he said that to me. And I'm going to tell you, that was still the best preaching class I ever had was a little guy at Outreach Ministries that said, just read the Bible to us. Tell us what God said to you. And so I got up that day and I shared the word of God with them. And I began to tell them what God had said to me. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. In that moment, I felt like I was overwhelmed. I felt like I was doing what I was created to do. It was overwhelming. It was like 
you know, it was like, uh, have you ever, you, you seen Polar Express, the movie? Polar Express. So you remember when he's when the train is out on that ice lake and it's just like there's no rhyme or reason. It's just and then it finds the track again and and it's on track. That's exactly exactly how I felt in that moment that I had just found my spot. And when that overwhelming feeling hit me, now remember. While this is all happening, I'm actually talking. I'm like speaking to, you know, 12, 14 guys. When that overwhelming feeling hit me, God spoke to me. And he said, this is what I created you to do. And this is what you'll do for the rest of your life. So listen to me. There's a lot of times that I thought, man, what am I doing? Why don't I do something else? Why? I mean, let, let me quit. But you know what? It's never been realistic to me. Like I can have a little pity party for a little while, and then I get up over it and say, no, that's what I'm called to do. I can't do anything else. And so, you know, I've even heard the whole concept. And if you, listen, if you got this concept and God's told you to do this, I'm not, I'm not against it. But I've heard the whole thing of having a plan B, you know, something to fall back on. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad that I never had anything to fall back on because I might have fallen back on it. I want to do God's will for my life. I want to fulfill his purpose. So having said that, I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about living the dream. Living the dream. Uh, You've probably figured out I'm not talking about the American dream. I'm not so sure the American dream is going to last a lot longer, my friend. But pursuing God's dream for your life, God's purpose. So in Genesis, let me give you, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't read the whole story to you. It's 13 chapters long. I wish we had time. There's so many things I'd like to deal with out of those 13 chapters. It's actually about 12 chapters because there's, a chapter that digresses, but beginning in Genesis 37, you're familiar. In Genesis 37, I'm going to read just verse 5. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Then in Genesis 50, actually the whole chapter's great, but let me again Read verse 20 to you. Well, let me, let me tell you a little bit more. The dad had died. Jacob had finally died. They were in Egypt by this point. They'd been down there for quite some time. And Jacob died. And when Jacob died, the brothers all said, Joseph is going to get... His, everybody look at me. Joseph is going to get his retribution now that daddy's dead. And so they came and fell down before Joseph. You know, Joseph's like the king. He's like second in command only to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh pretty much took off his signet ring, put it on his hand and said, you're the man. And so he's the guy. So he certainly could kill them. They came and fell down before them and said, we're your servants. Translation, don't kill us, please. And he said, listen, listen, this is the context of 50, 20. He said, am I in the place of God? 
And they, they probably thought, mm, kind of, yeah, you are in, yes, pretty much, you're in the place of God. He said, what am I in the place of God? He said, here's the deal. What you did, you know they sold him into slavery, right? What you did, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present circumstance that many people's lives are saved, including your own. He said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of your children. And he spoke kindly to them. Well, let me just say to you that the Joseph on the back end and the Joseph on the front end are a little bit different. On the front end, he's a 17-year-old kid. And he's spoiled rotten. I mean, the Bible straight up tells us he is. That's why his brothers hated him. And so the day comes where he tells his brothers, I had a dream, great dream. Oh, it's really great. We were out harvesting. My sheep stood upright. Your sheep's all bowed down before it. They said, what? Do you really think that we're going, what? We're going to bow down to you? Well, yeah, actually you are. They said, what, do you really believe that? And then he had another dream where the sun, moon, and stars bowed down. And, and even his dad said, what are you, what? But listen to me, listen to me. The dream was from God. The boy might have been a little full of himself, maybe a bit smart-alecky, certainly spoiled rotten. I mean, there's a lot of things you could probably say about 17-year-old Joseph, but the dream was from God. Well, the day came where he went out to check on his brothers at daddy's behest, and they said, here comes this dreamer. Let's deal with him and his dreams now. And so you know they were going to kill him. And one of the brothers intervened and said, no, 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 let's don't, let's don't do that. And so they faked his death to dad and they sold him into slavery. A band of Midianite traders came along. They took him and they carried him straight to Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, he was sold into the house of Potiphar. And here's what happened. It's a common theme through the whole story. In fact, I would say if you haven't read it recently, go read it. It's worth reading. It's a common theme through the whole story. He was sold into the house of Potiphar. You know, you don't come in at the top. He's, he's the bottom slave. He's the new guy. And so he comes in right at the bottom, but God was with him. Say that with me. God was with him. It's called favor, the blessing of God. And so he begins to ascend until the Bible says, He's second in the house. In fact, it, once, once Potiphar's wife begins to make overtures to him, trying to get him to compromise and to sleep with her over and over again, day after day, she's coming at him, and he says, listen, literally, your husband trusts me with everything in the house. How could I do this wickedness? Well, she lied about him. And he went from being second in command, second only to Potiphar himself, to in prison, the king's prison. And 
again, you don't come in at the top, you come in at the bottom. He's the newest prisoner, the lowest guy. But God was with him. Favor was on his life. And he began to ascend again. Until guess what? He's like number two in the prison. The main guy has made him the main guy. And so there he is at the very top. But wait a minute, wait a minute, listen carefully. He's still in prison. I don't care if you're the top guy or not. You're in prison. And he was there day after day after day after day after day. And he doesn't even know what his sentence is. He doesn't, there's no mention of how long he's even going to be there. Maybe he's going to be there forever. But God was with him. I'm going to tell you something else you see over and over and over again through the whole story is that Joseph was faithful. You know what? I think that I might have taken my little foot and stomped it and said, I hate that dream. Let my dream just go away. I hate that dream. Look at all that it's cost me. But you don't ever see that. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he's human. He's probably had a few thoughts. But basically, all you see, all you see this, this Joseph doing is being faithful. He just keeps doing his thing. He just keeps flowing in his gifting. He just keeps being a blessing everywhere he finds himself. Well, the day came where two of his fellow prisoners had had dreams. And they're like uh, really bummed out because they can't figure out what do these dreams mean. And he said, you know what? It just so happens that I too, I'm a dreamer. And the interpretations are in the hands of God anyway. So tell me your dreams. And so they did. And actually to, you know, to make it shorter, the cupbearer is going to be restored to the king. The baker is, he's going to lose his head. And so... He says to, listen carefully, he says to the cupbearer, listen, you're going to be restored to your place with Pharaoh. When that happens, please remember me. He said, I didn't do anything worthy of being in this prison. You know, it's, it's true. Usually when prisoners say that, you know, prisoners say that stuff all the time. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not even guilty. Malarkey, you're guilty of that and 10 more things. But he wasn't guilty. He literally did not deserve to be sitting where he was sitting. And he's been sitting there for years now. He said, when you come before the king, would you just mention me to the king? But when he came before the king... He forgot all about Joseph. And Joseph sat in prison for two more years. Now, you know, it's easy for us because we can read it and we go, oh, God, man, I can do that standing on my head. No, you can't. No, you can't. He's, he's forgotten in prison now, and it's two more years, and he doesn't even know it's only two years. As far as he knows, he's forgotten forever. And one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And nobody can interpret Pharaoh's dream. 
you know, I'm thinking if I'd have been one of the magicians because he's like threatening them with their lives, I think I'd have at least taken a stab at it, but none of them could say anything. Let me tell you something. I believe that the cupbearer forgetting all about Joseph, I believe God did that. And I believe the magicians who all are going, they can't say anything. They can't give any stab in the dark about Pharaoh's dream. I believe it's because God said, you will not say a word. And the cupbearer says, O king, today I remember my sins. There's a young man in your prison that the, the gift of God is on his life. And he said, he interpreted my, he can interpret your dream, O king. And here's what happened. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. In the space of probably less than one hour, they sent robes and they sent perfumes and they sent everything that was necessary for Joseph to go ahead and bathe and dress himself. And they said, you got to hurry up. The matter is urgent. Get in there before the king. And he, listen to me, he went from forgotten in prison to standing before the most powerful man on earth in the space of one hour. You know, there, there's a concept in Scripture, I'm sure you're familiar, it's called the sovereignty of God. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that He can exalt you at the right time. You, you don't want to be exalted at the wrong time, my friend. Oh, well, actually, let me take that back. Tons of people want to be exalted at the wrong time. They do. Because that's how we're taught, really. Hey, if you don't promote yourself, nobody else will. Look out for number one. You gotta, you gotta go for it, man. You gotta do your thing. And we do all that stuff. And you know what happens? We get in a spot we can't take. Our, our charisma, our giftedness, our ability takes us beyond where our character can sustain us. We do it in the church all the time. Good-looking young people, and you are a good-looking bunch of young people. Good-looking young people, and they're gifted. They can preach. They can sing. They can, and so we say, "Oh yeah, no, 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 no." Let, let's let's let God develop character. That's why you're in a program like this. Let's let God build something in your life. Let, let let's see character developed inside of you before you end up with in a spot you can't you can't take. Well. Listen to me. Joseph was, he was rejected, sold into slavery, lied about, forgotten, and you could probably add a whole lot of other words to that. This is what happened to Joseph. And you know what was happening during that whole time? God was building character into that boy. So that instead of being the, hey, <laughs> I had a dream. You want to hear it? He spoke kindly to them and said, God did this. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of your people. God did that. He told, he told, Joe, uh, he told Pharaoh his dream interpreted it for him. 
He said, you, he had two dreams, actually. He said, your dreams are one. And the fact that he gave it to you twice means it's fixed. It's going to happen. There is going to be seven years of plenty in your land, and then there's going to be a famine that will make you forget all about the blessing of the seven years. Here's what you should do. You know, I don't know if you know this, but you don't advise a king without being asked to advise the king. But Joseph did it. He launched right out there, and he said, "Here, you're, he, oh, king, here's what you should do. Choose out a man that can do thus and so and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And the king said, who else? Who would be better for that job than this young man right here? Well, let me just say this before I go any further. I'm going to give you very quickly, and don't think, oh, my goodness, he's just starting his message. No, that was my message. I'm just going to draw five thoughts out of it, okay? Let me say this at this point. Um. God, God is absolutely, well, let me, let me back up even further. You're, I'm not saying you're going to be Joseph, okay? I'm not saying that you're going to be second in command on planet Earth. You could be. It's certainly possible. I mean, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, he could do that. He can do that with anybody. But I am saying this, God is sovereign, and you're his servant. And so if you will humble yourself under God's hand, what does that look like? Well, that means that you say, God, I don't want what's, I, don't, I only want what's coming out of your hand. I don't want to do my thing. I don't want the comfortable spot. I don't want the flashy spot. I want to be right in the palm of your hand. And I only want you to place me where you want me placed. That's where I want to be. And if that includes wealth, fame, all that stuff, good. But if it includes cleaning toilets, good. That I'm, I want to do what you created me to do. In the meanwhile, I'm going to keep myself under the mighty hand of God so that he can place me in the right spot at the right time. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've had... I've had some really tough and challenging times in my ministry, and I've had some extraordinarily blessed times in my ministry. But I'm going to tell you, I can look back over 42 years of ministry, and I see how God has orchestrated it every step of the way. God has placed me where he wants me, when he wants me, in that place. And I believe that, and I've seen it in that man how he, he has orchestrated every step of the way. And I'm sure there were a few times you thought, what in the world is going on? But in retrospect, you see how God was using everything to put you right where he ultimately wanted you to be. So let me give you five things real quick. Number one, discover your dream. Discover your dream. And, and why, when I say your dream, I obviously mean that you're already in a place of absolute surrender, so your dream should be lining up with his dream for you. So I could also put it this way, discover God's purpose for your life. So submit yourself to the Lord. Come into that place of absolute surrender. Listen 
to what God is putting inside of you. Let me just tell you very simply that, that when God began to open the door for me to world missions, the very first missions trip I ever did, I went, I was in Europe, and I was actually preaching in Holland, and we had a night off, and so we went to this little cafe out on the, out on the beach on the North Sea. And me and a missionary were sitting there and we were, you know, drinking coffee and talking. And he said something to me. He said, because I was young. I was just a young man in ministry at that point. And he said, uh, he said, Kim, let me ask you a question. What do you really want to do? And I said, well, bro, I want to do the will of God. He said, yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody wants to do the will of God. And he made a statement that I'd never thought about. He said, I know people that have been trying to find the will of God for 30 years. He said, what do you want to do? I said, no matter what I want to do, man, I want to do God's will. He said, and he said this to me. He said, when you come to a place of surrender, then you can begin to look into your heart and say, what has God put inside of me? And you know what I did? I looked at that brother and I said, I want to preach the gospel all over the world. And do you know what's happened in the last 40 years? I've preached the gospel all over the world. I've literally preached in 28 nations. And now through our, through our podcast, this is mind-boggling to me, our podcast has been downloaded in over 100 nations of the world. I'm like, how, how, is, this even po- how is this possible? Well, because God knows what he's doing. And he knows what he created you to do and to be. So discover your dream. And then prepare for adversity. Prepare for adversity because not everybody's going to like you and your dream. I know we want everybody to love us, right? I've been down that road where I just want everybody to love me. Well, as soon as you start standing for something, there's going to be a lot of people that don't like you. They said, here comes that dreamer. Let's end him and his dream right now. But he just kept doing what God had. God kept intervening. God kept making it happen. And I'm telling you, it looked pretty bleak every step of the way. Look at his whole journey. Joseph's whole journey looked really bleak with lots of enemies and with all kinds of disappointments. And God was in every one of them. God was using his enemies. God was you. He finally said in the end, he said to his own brothers who sold him into slavery. He said to his own brothers, you, of course, meant it for evil, but God was using you. God was using you. So prepare for adversity. There's, um, there's lots of dream killers out there anyway. They don't want you to have a dream. They want you just to have a miserable life like they've got. So when you start, you know, saying this is what God created, oh, come on, man. You don't have to be so radical. Why do you want to blah, blah, blah? I've had people say all kinds of crazy stuff to me. I quoted from the Apostle Paul one time and, you know, something pertaining to my own ministry. I quoted the Apostle Paul and some dear friends of mine and looked at me and said, you know, you're not the Apostle Paul. I thought I wasn't, I wasn't saying I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm saying that look at the, Look at how he went after the call of God. But, you know, then I realized in that moment, you know, there's people that don't want you. They don't want you to do what you're called to do. It's okay. Because guess what? Ultimately, there's a devil that doesn't want you to do what you're called to do. He's real. 
He's not a cute little guy with little horns and a little pitchfork. No, he's the devil, and he wants to destroy you. Why does he want to destroy you? Because God's gift is in you. Number three, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Even in the midst of fear, rejection, false accusation, being forgotten about, all that stuff, keep yourself under the mighty hand of God. Number four, release your gift. Release your gift. In other words, let me put it another way. Utilize what God has put in you. Be faithful every step of the way. Be a blessing everywhere you find yourself. Don't ever get in that mold. We are, well, I'm better than this. I deserve more than that. No, stop it. You're a servant. You're a servant. It's what ministry means. Ministry is not limelight, stay. No, no, it may include that, but ministry is service. Release your gifting. And then last, but certainly not least, behold his glory. Or we could say walk in his favor. Put it however you want to. Behold his glory that in the midst of even when it looks crazy, God is still in the midst of it working for his ultimate purpose. Joseph became a completely different man from, hey, 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 guys, I had a dream. You're going to love it. No, they didn't love it. To them literally coming, because remember, when he had his dream, they said, do you really think we're going to bow down to you? And then, then they're literally, they're literally on their face saying, we're your servants. Please don't kill us because they're literally bowing down to him. And he said, what do you think? That I'm in the place of God? He said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good to bring about this present result. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, guys. I knew what I had to share today because I knew that in this room there's unbelievable potential. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. That Who knows what God might do through your life. To be honest with you, I, I don't care. I don't care what you do as long as that's what God called you to do. Do whatever you want to do. Be whoever you want to be. I mean, I'm thankful. There's been, there. he's actually with the Lord now, but there was a very successful businessman that God called to be a successful businessman, and he helped finance missions all over the world, including mine. I'm grateful for people like that. But I also know that there's people that are called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to do, and, and, and I believe now more than ever, God is raising up young people to say, I want to serve God. I want to I take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Is that easy? No, it's not easy. Let me close with this. And then I'm just going to pray over you. We had a time in the altar earlier, and then we'll go. Let, let me say this. I, I was talking to a church recently, and I, I was talking about ministry to Muslims. I'm actually going to be back over in the Philippines here in just a few weeks. 
And one, what I do there is I train, I'll train 25 young people for a week, and then we'll actually go out and do an outreach that weekend. And I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's a big outreach. Like, we'll probably be at the mall, and I'm talking about it's the biggest, nicest mall in that city preaching the gospel. We'll have a, a stage in there. People will come. It's amazing what God does through this particular outreach. But the real focus for me is those 25 Filipino young people that have said, we want to go, we want to go to the hardest place. That's literally what they say to me. We want, right, right there on their own island, there's a group of Muslims that are pretty much still unreached because it's incredibly dangerous to go where those Muslims are. You know why it's dangerous? Because they might kill you. They might kill you. I'll never forget talking with a Muslim brother and he was thankful that somebody was willing to risk their lives to come preach the gospel to his people. And he gave his life to Jesus as a result. And he said, you know, it grieves my heart that my brothers all over the world are not hearing the gospel because Christians are afraid to preach to them. And it dawned on me, you know what? I mean, it was really exposed during our pandemic. What did you hear over and over? You're still hearing it. Oh, be safe. Be safe. Oh, be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Show me that in the Bible. Where does the Bible say be safe? What did, what, what did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, but be safe. He's called you to be safe. Where'd you get that idea? In fact, if I understand the gospel correctly, you can... Brother, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If I understand the gospel correctly, you're not called to be safe. You're called to lay down your life. Lay down your life. So, man, I mean, we would like to preach to Muslims, but we might die. Uh, I got news for you. You're going to die. Everybody look at me. I'm almost done. You're going to die. It's coming for sure. 100% sure you are going to die. Now, I believe you have to trust God's sovereignty that you're not going to die one day sooner than He wants you to. That if He calls me to go somewhere and do something and I die there, it's because that was His will. That was His purpose. Bottom line is, I don't believe I'm going to stand before God one day and Him go, oh my goodness, how did you end up here so soon? I never saw it coming. No, no, no. God knows what He's doing. So here's the deal. It's not whether you're going to die or not. You are going to die. It's what are you going to do with this little segment of time between now and then? What are you going to do with your life and with the opportunities you have between now and when you die? Let's bow our heads together. You know what I do want to, I want to, I want to call you to a place of commitment. But really what, how I want to do this is right where you're sitting right where you're sitting. God is speaking to some of you right now. And here's who I believe he's, you, you know, you're called of God. You're called of God. And today you want to, you want to reaffirm that call and say, God, I want you to use my life in whatever way you desire. Please, God, what I want more than anything else is to fulfill your purpose for my life. If that's you, I want you to stand and lift your hands. 
what I want more than anything else is for you to fulfill your purpose for my life. Yes, just lift your hands. That's really the, what, what needs to happen right now is already happening. It's already happening. You're saying to him, here I am, send me. Here I am. I'm yours. Use me, send me. Here's my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I come before you. And Lord, I lift up my brothers and my sisters to you. God, I pray your grace over them. Oh, God. Oh, God. I pray, Lord, take them deeper, deeper, even deeper, deeper yet than they've been. God, I pray, Lord, that they would truly come to that place of saying, God, I don't care about my safety. I don't care about my comfort. I don't care about my pleasure. I want to do the will of God for my life. God, let your power and your glory be upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We're yours. We're yours. Why don't you tell him right now, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. Do with me as you please. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, take our lives. Let it be an offering for you, God. Let it be an offering for you, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Yes, Lord. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.